Anderson. Hits it in the air to right. Back at the wall, and the White Sox win it. Sox win. Welcome back. This is the Feeling Soxy podcast. This is episode number 36. Also, a little bit of a programming note. I forgot that the last episode was episode number 35. And, of course, most White Sox fans know the number 35 is synonymous with this franchise for the all-time great, the GOAT of White Sox baseball, Frank Big Hurt Thomas. He leads the franchise in career home runs, 448 career home runs, and he leads the White Sox in most offensive categories. So episode number, technically this is number episode 36, but we are going to dedicate this episode to Frank Thomas since we missed the number on the last episode. So the White Sox, we are here. This is Thursday, July 14th, and this is a day after the White Sox split the series with the Cleveland Guardians. They will get ready for a huge four-game set with first place Minnesota a nice four-game sweep would get us a game in first place. We would love to see that. We will talk more about that later in the programming. But first, our White Sox have been in the news in a number of ways that don't pertain, well, I guess kind of pertain to baseball. But there have been reports that, based on what Bob Nightingale has been saying, in a report on Sunday, this was after we recorded the podcast, Bob Nightingale had a little article where, it said in the during one of his little notes of the first half, I'm going to pull up the quote and tell you what it says. And in that article with which was called a MLB notes, it's like a little notebook that he does for USA Today. So Bob Nightingale, who obviously White Sox fans remember, he was the first guy who said that they were going to hire Tony La Russa as manager. And it's been the only thing that he has been right about for probably his entire career because Everything else that he has had some sort of prediction, like when he said Trevor Bauer was going to the Mets. Yeah, that was a good time. He also said the lockout was going to end, and it lasted for two more days. So Bob Nightingale, notoriously wrong for nine times out of ten, but the one time that he actually is right, it pertains to the White Sox, and he has connections within the organization. And obviously this was one that came in, an article, as I mentioned, this was recorded after the podcast. No one has been more disappointing than the Chicago White Sox, who must take a good hard look at what went wrong if they missed the playoffs. There have been a lot of whispers of unrest, clicks, and lack of player leadership inside the clubhouse tearing apart this talented team. Now, that was in the notes, and then he also reported that on Friday, last Friday, when Tim Anderson was being selected to the All-Star game, that Kenny Williams also addressed the team And nobody really knows what was said. Apparently, he said, you guys have had more downs than ups. But in the second half, you will have more ups than downs. I don't really I'm not really taking too much into Kenny Williams addressing the team. But I mean, this is a lot of hot topic conversation this whole week pertaining to this White Sox team, because it seems like every week, every single week, it's something, whether it's an injury a bad base running play, a questionable Tony La Russa decision. Throughout the first half of the season, it's been um, head-scratching, it's been mediocre, at times it has been relatively embarrassing. So when you hear this report that Bob Nightingale has, that apparently there, there's clicks in the locker room, he also went on cap show to saying that 
or David Kaplan's show unfiltered and saying, among other things, that there that there's clicks in the locker room. The players are blaming Tony Larusa. They're blaming the coaches. There's no player leadership, which is really the big issue sort of thing that they are saying that is the main the main problem with the White Sox is they have lack of player leadership. So I I don't know how how much credence to that is. So Tim Anderson's no longer a leader. Like he he gets into one slump and is out for or before that he even was hurt a month and now all of a sudden the the team doesn't like him. I mean Jose Abreu has been apparently he was the leader of the the Latino players in the locker room. And where apparently he's not a leader anymore. Lucas Giolito's not a leader. Apparently that's been the problem that multiple people have been telling them, especially players who were in the locker room, who have played against the White Sox, who have asked, Hey, what's, what's wrong with this team? The same thing that we have been asked if they would have listened to the feeling Soxie podcast, they would know that this team is bad on fundamentals. They are bad in terms of running the bases. They're bad in probably three to four different assets of the game that ultimately cost them games later later down the road they didn't really have i guess you can really say that one of these games was kind of weird against the guardians but we'll get into that but tony larusa addressed it he said you know most people in the room that aren't here their sources are probably wrong you know most of the players that have been asked that they've obviously pushed back on it saying that you know look nobody's happy that we're not winning but i mean clicks are also something that happens in any major league lock, locker room it's not just when a team is struggling and has the expectations the way that they do, they know they haven't been playing well. And I think it's been frustrating for them, but I also don't think that they haven't really had who's the guy on the team. That's really going to, you know, start flipping, flipping stuff out, throwing a chair against the wall or breaking a bat against the radio or breaking a bat against the radio. Kind of like what Billy Bean did in Moneyball, Or if anybody has seen that movie, great, great baseball movie. But in the scene, you know, they're dancing in the locker room in the middle of a losing streak, and Billy Bean comes in, and he smashes the radio in with a bat, and he said, is winning fun? Is losing fun? Is losing fun? That's what I want to ask the White Sox team. And they know that losing's not fun. I feel like they are pretty frustrated. Obviously, I have no, I have no pulse of what's going on in that locker room. They obviously know they've been a huge disappointment. They know that the offense has not been good. So when I hear that Bob Nightingale has that report of there's clicks. People are blaming Tony La Russa for stuff, which I mean, Tony, I mean, which we'll I'll put it in this way. Tony La Russa is not to blame for maybe half of the stuff. I would maybe if I, if there is blame on Tony La Russa, it's maybe like a small percentage of maybe like 10%. I feel like the other in terms of 90%, is on other things that had to do leading up to him, like the organizational failure to properly evaluate talent, to properly make this team better in the offseason. You know, it's a number of issues. And plus, guys are injured. You know, they can't really stay in the lineup. They've had some underachieving bats. Like, if this team is in first place and Tony La Russa makes a dumb move, then we just come here and say, well, Tony La Russa made another doy-doy play. We're still waiting for him to maybe make it up. But... If they're in first place, you probably brush it to the side because it's not really as big of a deal. But since the team has been underachieving up to this point, I mean, we're at the all-star break and they're 
still what three games under 500 I mean they have been the biggest disappointment of the baseball season so far I mean it's not even that much of a debate I mean so when Nightingale has a report that there's clicks in the locker room these guys don't like each other I feel like there's clicks in every major league locker room so I wouldn't really take too much credence into that well then this leads into our other headline that made that made news was Ozzie Guillen being critical of Tony La Russa, which I have, I have this to say about that because Ozzie really grilled into this team, basically saying the way that they have been playing and Scotty pods too, who I think Scotty pods has been great on the post game, the pre and post game show. I think he should be a regular member, but you know, that's just my opinion. But they literally were like, like Scotty pods is like beside himself watching this team. Like when he's in the post game show and they had, this effort and they're like Tony needs to come out and say this is unacceptable I forgot which which loss it was I think it was it might have been after game two where they got Greg Maddox by Shane Bieber and in case you guys aren't familiar with what a Greg Maddox is that is when a pitcher goes the distance and throws under 100 pitches the White Sox basically made made an easy day's worth of work from Shane Bieber in that second game which we'll get to in a matter of seconds but I feel like there was more really hot topic conversations off the field stuff, you know, and now obviously this Ozzy Guillen stuff, Tony La Russa, I hate to say this is, I, I mentioned before he doesn't deserve all the blame, but you know, he is, he's catching a lot of heat and a lot of people are now going against the white Sox. They are now being, I guess, trying to treat them as second class citizens just the way that they have approached this season and the way it is performed. A lot of people are getting turned off when you factor in that they had these expectations of going to a world series of being a world series contender. I mean, you had plenty of people in major baseball markets or major baseball writers making the claim that, Hey, this is the team that could win the world series. I mean, Jeff Passan made them their world series champion. Now he looks like about as big of a moron as I do, because I said that this team was going to win 96 games. They're not even going to come close to that. Not even close to that. So this team is making people look like they're making everybody look like idiots. And the people that are, are there day in and day out that believe in them, the pre and post game show, like these guys are going in there and they're just beside themselves when they have a performance where most of the time they look lifeless. Like when they go up to their bats, it's, it's a freelancing at bat. There's no plan of attack. It's swing at the first pitch and just hope that it goes out of the park. And then when it's a ground ball out and then a pitcher has what, like what happened with Shane Bieber the other day when he threw that Greg Maddox of an outing where he obviously threw a hundred pitches, you know, people are going to be pissed because you you're supposed to be this juggernaut of an offense and you can't even generate um, consistent offense from a day in and day out basis. It doesn't matter if you're facing Shane Bieber, you face him enough to where you can go out there and you can dominate him and at least put together one outing where you score more than four or five runs against him. So the Nightingale report, as I mentioned, we don't know who the leak is, but if I had to guess, it's probably Dallas Keuchel. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, Bob Nightingale centered in Arizona. And you know who is in Arizona? Dallas Keuchel. You know who just got cut from the White Sox and was reportedly not really a well-liked guy in that locker room? Dallas Keuchel. So if you're looking for who the source was for this Bob Nightingale report, look no further than the crafty left-hander 
who was sh- oh, excuse my language. He was the shittiest pitcher on the team this year. And that's saying a lot. I mean, he makes Vincey V look like a Cy Young award winner. So Dallas Keuchel, keep your mouth shut and keep getting shelled down in Arizona with an irrelevant ball club. All right. So we've addressed most of the stuff. And then I, well, one more thing with the off the field issues. I mean, we're almost 20 minutes into the podcast and we haven't discussed. Well, I guess I've maybe discussed the Shane Bieber side of things where they looked lifeless on offense, but it kind of coincides. I mean, these first two games coincide with what has been going on with this team. And, you know, it's been underachieving play and going in. This was a big stretch that they needed to at least come away with a over 500 record against these two teams, the guardians and the twins who were both ahead of you in the standings. So that was the main talk and the buildup to this series with the guardians. As that was the whole buildup, you know, Tony LaRusso obviously addressed the media. He said, you know, obviously he wants to win as much as anybody else. I mean, they're going to tell you the cliche stuff. They're not really going to go up to the media and say, yeah, these guys stink. They they don't show any heart. They don't have any effort. I mean, these guys can't hit. I mean, what is what else are they supposed to say? Of course, they're going to go out there and they're going to BS you. So, and then we go to the Ozzie Guillen side of stuff. Ozzie's been very critical about Tony La Russa. Apparently, John Heyman thinks that this is an opportunity that Ozzie is being more critical on the postgame show to try and steal Tony La Russa's job if they decide to move on from Tony La Russa, which... I mean, they're not going to as much as we want them to get rid of TLR. TLR is not going anywhere, and they're not just going to acrimoniously fire him. They'll let him go in a way that is respectful, where he says, you know, Tony LaRusso is having health problems. He's going to step away. And at that point, I don't even think they're going to hire Ozzie Guillen because I think there's still maybe some hard feelings with him and the Kenny Williams side of things. Nobody really knows, but apparently he has a good relationship with the White Sox, not the greatest, which basically tells me that he probably still has some hard feelings with Kenny Williams. But at the same time, you know, this is just off the field stuff that's just been going on. And it's just, you know, it's like a it's like a soap opera every day. It's something different, whether it's, you know, Ozzy being critical or TLR walking Jose Ramirez and intentionally walking him after having Davis Martin throw a pitch but not intentionally walking him when he probably should have earlier in the game. Like everybody's getting turned off with this White Sox team. I might've hinted at that, or I might've mentioned it. People are getting turned off with this White Sox team. Like you listen to the home, the home radio station for the White Sox. They're turned off on Tony La Russa. They're criticizing him day in and day out. NBC sports, Chicago, like they, I mean, those guys are basically just sick of Tony La Russa's just madness. I mean, but they're also tired of this team underachieving. I mean, the city's already turning off and you have white Sox fans who are like turning the team, turning the team off because of what they, the expectations that they had going into the season, what they told the fans that, Hey, this is a world series caliber team. And so far, I mean, it's, it's been anything but that. I mean, we're 23 minutes into the podcast and we haven't even, I mean, we brought up a little bit of what, this guard, what happened in this Guardian series? I mean, they split the series. I might have mentioned it earlier in the show, but they split the series against the Guardians. We'll we'll get right into that series. I mean, the first game, the first two games. I mean, we'll pretty much make them rather quick. That first game against the Guardians, that to me 
that game was an example of a White Sox game that in Cleveland for the last 10 years. Scott Merkin had a stat right before that first game where it was said that the, it said the White Sox are 64 and 103. Well, now the status changed. Now I believe they're 66 and 105. But still, they've only won 66 times in Cleveland since 2013. That is pathetic. Pathetic. But the buildup to that, going into that first inning, you had a ball bounce off Lancelin's leg and go away from Leary Garcia. That first inning, the Guardians in that first game, the Guardians didn't really hit anything that hard. They were just getting these little winky dink little hits. And I'll admit, the Guardians are good contact hitters, but this was not good contact. They were literally getting the most winky dink ass hits that you've ever seen. I call them the lucky little bloopers that they were just getting left and right. You know, a guy hits a little small infield hit. A guy misplays a ball. Lance Lynn walks two guys. And by the way, Lance Lynn, these last two starts, not good. He has not been good. I mean, especially, I know he's still kind of working his way back from the injury that he's had, but... I mean, when you look at these last two starts, I mean, Lance Lynn's supposed to be one of your big keys. He's supposed to be a team leader that's supposedly being said that he is one of the leaders of the clubhouse. And he goes out and he just craps the bed in that first inning against the Guardians, which literally set the tone because then the White Sox had to claw their way back. Uh, They got it to within five to four. They got it to within a run. But then Tony La Russa brought Lance Lynn out for the fifth inning when he was at 90 pitches and not really pitching at his best because he threw 39 pitches in the first inning. And then that one got away. Nolan Jones hit one in the gap, two runs scored, and they ended up losing that game eight to four. And to Ozzy's point of why Ozzy and Scott Pacendic's point of why this is unacceptable. And I guess we already kind of teased that what happened in the second game when Shane Bieber threw a Greg Maddox and just dominated them four to one. I mean, Bieber's had the Sox number, so it really is no surprise that, they came out and were just um, pretty bad against Shane Bieber, not really putting up any contact. I think from like the first inning to like the seventh inning, there was one hit, maybe maybe like another base runner. That's pathetic. I mean, that is what Ozzy and Scott Pacendic are saying, that like Tony has to say something to the media of, hey, this is unacceptable from these guys. Like they want, they want him to say something so bad, and I just feel like Tony's just not going to do it because what's he going to say? I mean, hey. He's not going to go out there and blast a guy. He's not going to be like, hey, Yo Mankata struck out four times a game. He needs to learn on, work on plate discipline. Luis Robert literally swings at every slider that's going outside. He needs to work on plate discipline. Like, it's just been a whole first half of just the same crap of just them looking uninspired. Now, I just heard a Liam Hendricks interview with ESPN 1000 that he just did, and he said one of the things that drives him nuts is that people question their effort. Well, I'm glad that they get mad about people questioning their effort because when you look at the locker room and on TV, sure, it's it's easy for me to watch on TV and say, wow, these guys look like they hate each other. I mean, every clubhouse is going to have guys that hate each other. That's just the way of the Major League Baseball. But, you know, he says they question, you know, they hate, they hate when people question their will to win. Well, I mean, sometimes you have to have somebody light a fire in your ass if you're trying to win games. But, I mean, it's hard to admit. I'm just seeing, like, how I do. There are plenty of times, and there are plenty of White Sox fans that will agree with me, that this team, for the most part, 
in half of these games where their offense just doesn't show up, they look lifeless. Their offense looks uninterested. Nobody looks like they want to be there. And sure, nobody's having fun because the team is not winning. Now, if the team was winning, yeah, I'm sure everybody, it's kumbaya, everybody loves each other. But now that they're in third place, oh, now everybody hates each other. So this leads us into game three of the doubleheader. The first two games were Guardians wins, not good. The offense was not good. And this was leading to the ire of many White Sox fans of maybe Tony La Russa should be fired. The Blue Jays just fired their manager. I mean, Toronto, Toronto, I feel like was this very similar team with us. Like we're a good young team with a lot of right-handed pop and not really a whole lot of left-handers. So, you know, Toronto made that move to move on from, and they're four games over 500. So like, I just don't think the White Sox are going to do the firing of Tony La Russa because I feel like the white Jerry Reinsdorf won't let that let Tony La Russa go out that way. But I mean, if it doesn't get any better, I mean, if this first half has been any indication that he should be okay to be coming back for the second half, then I mean, then Jerry Reinsdorf's probably should be put into a home because his brain is probably just mush. So game three of the doubleheader faced the old friend Connor Pinkleton, who we traded for Cesar Hernandez the half a season of Cesar Hernandez, garbage second base self. And the approach was good. You can tell that in the buildup to that game, in between those games of the doubleheader on Tuesday, they had to have told them something of, T.A., you need to take some walks, take some pitches. They literally, I think they've been telling Luis Robert, take some pitches, which is important because when you look at the walk rate of this team, it's the worst in Major League Baseball. They have the worst walk rate in the entire Major League Baseball. And last year, they had the fourth or fifth best walk rate in baseball. Now, granted, some most of that has been due to Yasmani Grandal and Yoan Mankata being very good at drawing walks. Well, this year, they're not drawing walks. And quite frankly, nobody else is either. I mean, Jose Abreu is drawing, is drawing walks. He's been the most consistent White Sox hitter so far on the season. But when you're not walking, it sends them then starting pitchers are going to have a field day because you're making them quick, easy outs, and they're not going to be throwing a whole lot of pitches. So it was nice to see them attack that approach right away. Abreu went deep on a two-run homer. I mentioned Josh Harrison before. He's been red hot. He hit a home run. And then Luis Robert did a three-run homer off the foul pole. Shout out to Dylan Cease in that game of the doubleheader. He really rectified and might have saved this entire series because if they would have lost that game, to Cleveland and wouldn't have been able to get the split, which I guess I kind of looked at it as like worst case scenario. If they come away with the split, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but Dylan Cease was just phenomenal. It just goes to show that whoever's voting or picking for these all-star games just doesn't know what they're doing. Like they're basically just going off of like, should Nestor Cortez be in the all-star game over Dylan Cease? Like I I was harping about this in the previous episode where I said Dylan Cease should have been an all-star. And when you look at these starts that he's had, he's striking out guys left and right, left and right. Now, granted, he's still throwing a whole lot of pitches because he's a strikeout pitcher that's just trying to strike every batter that he comes. And sometimes you're not going to strike every guy out. You're going to get into three ball counts that's a, that you're going to have to fight back into. But Cease, I mean, he's coming along so nicely. He should have been an all-star. I don't understand how he's not. And I don't. Th- and so nobody has even explained to me why he's not an all-star. Like, it makes the all-star game that much more irrelevant 
of who's really picking these teams. Oh, if you're on the New York Yankees and you have the best record in baseball, well, we're going to take like half your team, put them on the all-star team. Fuck you, Mark. So they were able to get the seven, nothing victory in the second game of the doubleheader. Dylan Cease and Luis Robert, Jose Abreu and Josh Harrison all homered and really help rectify and save that series. And then the closing series of yesterday, I think we have to formally apologize to Lucas Giolito. His, the reports of his demise have been greatly exaggerated um, and reports of him being vastly overrated and wanting 200 mil and not getting out of the fifth inning. Also, again, vastly over, vastly over-exaggerated. I don't know who would have said those things that Giolito's overrated. Certainly wasn't me. But, I mean, Giolito, he was, he looked good. He looked like the old Lucas Giolito. He was really frustrating Cleveland Guardians hitters. Now, I know he's always had a pretty good career against the Guardians, a 5-1 and one career with an ERA of 2, including his last 10 starts where he has given up more. I think he has an ERA of under 1, so really good, impressive stuff. And for the most part, the White Sox offense was pretty quiet. I know Aaron Savali, Aaron Savali left in like the first inning, which when you look at some of those at-bats, the White Sox were getting ready to like tee off on him. Yeah, I thought Loy hit a three-run homer. I thought T.A. started the game off with a home run. And when you looked at the analytics, I mean, you had four guys who were batting over 400 against Aaron Savali in their career. So it was getting ready to be an offensive slugfest. Well, turns out that wasn't the case. He was pulled with wrist, sore, wrist soreness, I think. He, like, hurt his wrist. Ow, I hurt my wrist. So the Guardians just went with a bullpen day. The Sox were able to get two runs. Jose Abreu, again, drove in two runs on, or he drove in one run on an RBI double. Andrew Vaughn drove in the other run on an RBI ground out. And that was essentially the game four. They won two to one. And the back of the bullpen was great. Liam Hendricks, who has been locks, who has been rock solid since coming back, I know I've, I have mixed feelings on Liam Hendricks, but he has been one of the better relievers in Major League Baseball since coming back from the IL. I believe he has not allowed a run and hasn't allowed a hit since May 29th. Now, granted, there was an IL stint mixed in between that, but Liam Hendricks has been absolutely dominating. I think you could make the case for him to be a late addition of, to the All-Star team. So that was the series with the Guardians. And now... We get to, finally, the preview that everybody's been waiting for. This is the last preview of the first half where the White Sox will start the series in just a little bit, a little under an hour and a half from now. They will start the four-game series with the Cleveland Guardians. Johnny Cueto's taking the bump. He'll go against Sonny Gray. I mean, we have been, obviously, big Johnny Cueto a big Johnny Cueto podcast. He has been one of the saving graces of the White Sox season. I think you can make the argument that he has probably been the best thing of this White Sox season. Of course, agree to disagree. He'll go up against Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray's had a pretty nice career against the White Sox. I know he pitched when he was with the Reds last year when the White Sox faced him. He really held him scoreless through, I believe it was eight innings and when you look at most of the lineup, not really a whole lot of guys have a good history against Sonny Gray. So you really just hope that they can just be able to, you know, be able to win four games in a row to get back to 500. I know sweeping is hard and maybe a four game sweep is too much to ask for, but they're going to throw uh Kopech in the Friday game. It's going to be Kopech against Drew Smelter, a left-hander. So I would pound the over Lance Lynn gets another opportunity as he goes up against Dylan Bundy and Dylan Cease 
We'll pitch on Sunday to close out the first half. And hopefully the White Sox can get a four-game sweep. If they get the four-game sweep, they'll be right back at the 500 mark. They'll be two games over, and they'll be a game and a half out of first place. So hopefully they can get the job done. I mean, this is a big series for the White Sox. I mean, all these series are pretty huge series. But, you know, if they come away from this road trip with a 5-3 and three record, I would still look at that as a success. Like, you have to at least win this series with the Twins in order for, like, you can win this series with the Twins, win three out of four, and I think you would be buying some good graces. You would be riding some good momentum going into the All-Star break where you're back at 500 and you just hope for the stretch run where you just hope that, hey, maybe this all turns around. So that was the preview of the Twins series. The injury tent, Aloy Jimenez came up gimping, and now many people obviously have had those questions of whether Aloy is injury prone. It looks like he's day to day. He's not in the lineup for this first game against the twins. I really didn't think he was going to be in the lineup for the twins for the first twins game. He'll probably be back in there tomorrow as well. Grandal still on his rehab assignment. So he should be coming back within the next couple of days or so. And we'd give game balls. We're going to give a game ball to Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito. We're going to give Dylan Cease a game ball. He has been the White Sox best pitcher for the entire first half of the season. We'll give you a game ball, which is a lot better than an all-star appearance. You know, nobody really cares about the all-star game anyway. Lucas Giolito, I'll give you a game ball. You, you have been really good in your last couple of starts and have really turned the corner, whatever was plaguing you in those five starts where you forgot how to pitch. I don't think anybody really knew what was going on then. You know, shout out to Lucas Cialito. We'll give him a game ball. And in terms of the offensive players, we'll, I guess we'll give it to Abreu. Abreu has been the most consistent White Sox player. When you look at his numbers since May 6th, he's a top five hitter in most of the offensive categories, including extra base hits, weighted runs, created plus OPS on base percentage and hits. Abreu has been rock solid since May 25th. All right, so this was the Feeling Soxy episode, a little bit of a longer episode because there was a ton of White Sox stuff that we had to unpack from the Ozzie Guillen versus John Heyman to Ozzie Guillen criticizing Tony La Russa to what the problems are, that are going on in the White Sox locker room. I mean, hopefully these guys can just get their heads out of the ass and just play some better baseball. I mean, that's really the only thing that I'm hoping for is that they can be able to put together a consistent run because – the schedule gets a lot easier, a lot easier, but it'll make it 10 times easier if you come away with the series against the Twins with four wins. All right, a little bit of a long episode. Sorry for making it a little too long, but if the White Sox have some news going on, we will obviously break down, give you the hot takes of it. And this was feeling soxy, and we hopefully, hopefully we come away. And on Sunday, we will be doing our first half recap. We will... Also, go back and listen to our first half predictions. I also have one prediction that looks really bad right about now. Aloy Jimenez being team MVP, but nobody's going to sit there and talk about that. So we'll be back on Sunday. We'll recap the twin series. Hopefully we come away with a series win and riding some momentum heading into the second half. All right, guys, this is Feeling Soxy, and thank you for listening. <laughs>